0: Welcome to the Shoreham Sunday Talks podcast. This podcast brings you recordings from Emmanuel at the Shoreham Centre. For the main Emmanuel podcast feed, which has all our preaching series, do check out the Emmanuel Sunday Talks podcast. For more information about the church, site, or how to visit us, go to weareemmanuelcom Shoreham.
1: Good morning, good morning, good to see you this morning. Let me encourage you to uh, bring your wonderful conversations to a close. Find your seat, grab your coffee, take your biscuit, be blessed, and uh, let's get into the Word of God this morning. Let me uh, extend my welcome to you this morning. If you're visiting us, great to see you this morning. Hope you feel very, very welcome amongst us. And uh, if you've only recently started joining us, then hope you're also starting to make some friends here and get involved do come and say hi afterwards, and uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about your story, as Mark and Liz have said, so do come and say hi. So as a church across our four locations, uh, over the last few weeks we've been going through the first few chapters of Acts, and we've called it uh, The World Turned Upside Down. And we've been looking at the birth of the early church and the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to continue to do that some more this morning. And as we've travelled through these first few chapters, what we've seen is a number of incredible things take place. We've seen Jesus ascending into heaven. He leaves his followers with promises of what is still to come, uh, both in the short term but also in eternity. We've seen people gathering in their hundreds and thousands to hear the teaching of Jesus. We've and seen the disciples start to step out in faith knowing that God is with them. We've seen a new community experience where they're taking care of each other on a day-to-day basis, making sure that no one was in need. And we've seen the unity start to develop between the believers and the early church as it's birthed in Jesus's post-ascension time. And then we've seen the coming of the Holy Spirit in fire and in power, as we heard a few weeks ago. And the establishment of a worldwide religion that was going to literally change nations and change the world. It must have been for me, I was thinking about this even this week as I was preparing. I was thinking, what an amazing time to have been around. Can you think what it would have been like to have been there at that time? But then as we go on a little bit more and we go through some more chapters and we get through some more verses in Acts, what we see is things start to just change a little. It's not quite so amazing. Things start to come in that are a little bit tough for the disciples and Jesus' followers. They get thrown into prison, as we saw a few weeks ago. They're probably thinking, hang on a sec, I wasn't expecting that. This was some crazy wave we were riding, this was amazing. And then I'm in prison, but God was with them. And in today's passage, we see opposition from their religious leaders of that time. And for us looking back, we can see that God had a plan, because we can read it and we can see it. But at the time, maybe it just felt a little bit like the bubble was bursting. There had been this euphoria and this process that's been developing, and yet there's opposition now to what is going on. They maybe thought this movement might have been a little short-lived, maybe Jesus has gone, maybe it's not going to be as easy as we thought. But we're going to listen and hear. Our scripture read this morning we're going to draw some things out of that so if you've got your bible or your phone let me encourage you to turn to acts 4 verse 13 and we're going to hear it read on the video
0: now when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with jesus But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them and evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no fervor among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old.
1: Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your glorious word. We thank you for uh, these chapters and verses that we have been going through in this series, Lord. We thank you for the story that has been unfolding. ...through these chapters in Acts. And I thank you for these verses that we are looking at this morning. And I ask that uh, you would prepare our hearts, Lord, uh, for your words. Lord, I pray that they would land in a way that shapes us this morning... ...and challenges us, Lord. We want your word to shape and challenge us every time we read and we hear it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to deliver your heart this morning... ...and to convey your plan for our lives in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you this morning, what's, what's your story in God? Have you found that the, uh, the Christian life is pretty easy? Have you found yourself going through life on a bit of a spiritual cloud? A bit of this holy bubble that we can... Uh, experience and uh, get into. And I'm not being flippant because there are days when we we come into church life and we come into uh, being with others and we maybe go to conferences and Jesus is there and the Holy Spirit is there and we go, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. Wow. I thought I worshipped this morning. It was so, so good. It was great just to sing songs and praise to God and I just felt him speaking to us. But what about the in-between days? Is your story actually that in, the, in between days, sometimes there are difficulties. Sometimes there is opposition. Sometimes there is tough relationships or even maybe rejection. That is true. I can say myself, even this week, that has been my story. There have been tough days this week. But we're in good company here because even Jesus' disciples, let's say his closest friends or even he would call them his brothers, They're going through opposition in this story. They've come out of these amazing uh, times of experiencing and receiving the Holy Spirit. They're preaching the gospel and thousands are coming. And then religious leaders are, no, stop. Stop what you're doing. This is not okay. We're not happy with this. So there is extreme opposition. And even Jesus himself, as we read through the gospels, experienced temptation and opposition. So we're in good company. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, where does my help come from? Does it come from myself? Do I lean into my own strength? Or does it come from God and the power of his Holy Spirit in us this morning and on those difficult days? And I'm going to come back to that more at the end. But from this passage, what I want to draw out is take some time to look at the who, the what and the why of this part of the story. The what we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit empowering witness for Christ. Okay? And then the who is bringing the authority in the name of Jesus. And the why is because Jesus is with us. So let's look at the what. So thousands of people here have started responding to the good news of Jesus. And the religious authorities really don't know what to do, they're feeling threatened. This could completely ruin what they have. Other people becoming knowledgeable about the scripture, about God and Jesus and everything that he bought. This completely takes their world and says it's not just for you. And just like in Jesus' ministries, crowds are gathering, they believe the message. This is upsetting Jewish leaders. They arrest Peter and John in an attempt to clamp down on this new bold religious movement. And what do we see and what do they see in Peter and John? They're seeing two or three different things here. They're seeing their boldness come through in verse 13 even though they weren't trained experts. Peter was a bit of a bungler. He muffed things up all the time and suddenly he's now a preacher in boldness and people are being saved because God had got hold of him and the power of the Holy Spirit. People knew that they'd been with Jesus. Not sure whether this was coming out necessarily in their Jesus-like nature or because they physically had seen them walking with Jesus and his disciples. This isn't far after Jesus' death and, as I said, ascension. And notably, a sign, a miracle had been performed through them by God. One that they said in the scripture, they can't deny. So they knew, they knew there was something happening here. And we're witnessing here in the disciples a new confidence coming through. There's clarity and authority in what they are bringing. They're speaking boldly, they're speaking scripture, and they're knowing the power of the Holy Spirit coming through in their words. We're seeing a different character in them from what they have been to what they are now, and we're seeing power as they perform miracles and signs in the name of Jesus. What are we seeing? Normal Christianity. That's it. That's what we're seeing today, isn't it? In a lot of cases, every week, normal Christianity at work. This is what happens when you get to know God. There's a new confidence in you. There's a new boldness. There's a change of character. And there is the power of the Holy Spirit that totally changes who we are. Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit, just as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were now becoming witnesses for Jesus in a public sphere, exactly as he told them they would. If you go back to Acts 1.8... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So just as Jesus had said it would be, so it was. And a few weeks ago we looked at the many things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our helper who teaches us the truth about Jesus. We see that in John 14. In Jude, we hear about he helps us to pray. In 1 Thessalonians, it comforts comfort us with the love of God. Galatians, it talks about he helps us walk in obedience and guards us against sin and temptation. In Romans, it brings us into an experiential knowledge of being sons and daughters of the living God. So many things that the Holy Spirit does and many, many more. But we must not neglect in this process to to miss the the foundational truth that Jesus has filled each one of us with the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And that purpose is that we are to be witnesses for the gospel. Did you know that? That is part of your purpose. You've come into a relationship with God. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit for a purpose. Not just to come and be part of a holy bubble and a nice little group of community here of which is all good and all true. But as well as that, he said, don't keep it in here because there's thousands out there who need to hear what you've heard. And to need to go through the same challenge and change that you have. In Mark 16, we read about the Great Commission where Jesus was clear with his disciples about what they were to do but look at the word commission it's literally translated as a group of people entrusted with authority to do something that's what the word commission means we are called to be co-workers with Christ and we are entrusted in the commission all right that's the word the co-mission with God so we are on a mission. Did you ever think about yourself being on a mission this morning? We are on a mission to see people saved and added into the church. Now we've been remarking through this series, how did Christianity turn the world upside down? What, is, what did we go for this title? How did it go from being a group of disciples in an upper room to the official religion of the Roman Empire, what some thought was the most irreligious uh, people at the time? to spanning every continent of the globe and continuing to reach into every tribe and every nation and people group across the world, just as Jesus foretold. So how does Christianity spread? It's very simple. From person to person. One person at a time. Because that's what God does. He believes in relationship, connection, not just an experience, but for us to come into a relationship with God through a personal connection, either with somebody else who brings us to uh, hear Jesus for the first time and then through the revelation and power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean for us this morning? The challenge here in what we're reading is, so who are we spreading the gospel to? Who are we spreading the gospel to? But it brings up some probably difficult thoughts in our mind. Well, maybe we feel completely uneducated. That's quite a scary thing, going out and preaching the gospel to people. Maybe we feel completely unprepared. Maybe we feel, yeah, but I'm not an evangelist. There's some people out there who do evangelism, but not me. That's not me. Maybe we feel scared about what people might say or what they might think of us. Or maybe we just can't handle potentially the rejection that we might get when people push back. Or maybe we feel it might upset someone. Or maybe we just don't try. Maybe. And this is not a message this morning to convict us about things that we're not doing. There's an encouragement to say, let's get hold of something and let's do what God has called us to do. So I just wanted to break it down into some simple steps because I believe that all of us in this room can be witnesses and should be witnesses for Christ in our daily lives. So let me ask you some simple questions. Do you have non-Christian friends? So that's a starting point. Do you have non-Christian friends? Do you hang out with them? I'd encourage you to. I really would. Because they need you. Do you spend time with them, getting to know them, hearing their story, listening to their journey, hearing about their life and their struggles? Do you find ways to serve them? One step further. Not just knowing them, not just being with them, but actually finding ways to serve them. Do you pray for them? So far, all of these things aren't too difficult. I'm not asking you to go stand on a street corner and preach the gospel and expect people to get saved. I'm asking you to be normal. I'm asking you to have non-Christian friends, love them, know them, serve them. Do you open your home? Simple things. Do you have a gift of hospitality? Do you bring people in and say, hey, come and, come and eat with us, come and hang out with us? Let's go for a walk. Let's chat. Let's go to the pub. Easy. Are you able to be honest when asked about your life and God? Maybe that's the next step up. And are you able to increase these simple steps by little increments each time and grow in your faith? Or maybe you're the person that says, do you know what? As soon as I'm now on the bus, I'm just telling everybody about the gospel because that's where I'm at. That's great. I'd love to be like that, but I'm not always like that. Let me give you a personal example. It can come from the simplest of things. There's a friend of mine, we used to coach the youth football team up at Stenning for a few years. And we trained during the week and the matches were on a Saturday. And then we got to the point where they got to under 18s and under 18s play on a Sunday morning. And he said, Tao, I'm really looking forward to us doing another season together. Under 18s, it's really where it's at. We've been building for two years with these boys. And uh, I'm really look at, looking forward to going into next season. I said, I said, mate, I can't do it. You know I can't. Because Sunday morning, that's church for me. That's more important. I said, you know, these guys are great. But you know I can't do that next season. it's like, like, yeah, but come on, because we're on a bit of a roll. We're doing well. The boys are good. I was like, they're great. But also, there's another manager out there who can help see them through next year. But it won't be me. And you know that, because we talked and said church was important. Just simple. I'd not preach the gospel to him. He just knew what I did. He knew that that was important to me. He was like, can I not convince you? I was like, no, mate. Football's not more important than church or God in my life. It may be to you. That may be your place of worship. Maybe the Amex is mine sometimes on a Saturday. (laughs) Just a little bit of confession. (laughs) It's good for the heart, right? (laughs) But he knew where I was at. Now, that was a couple of years ago, and he went on and managed the team with someone else. And uh, we now have uh, dinner regularly, every three or four months with him and his wife. And I meet him for lunch occasionally during uh, during that in-between time. And the first thing he says, how's church going? He asks me. I don't have to say anything. He just knew. And we'd got to that stage where I was just honest with him. Just real. Wasn't wasn't a big thing. How's church going? Do you still see Mike on a Sunday? Because he knows Mike. It's like, yeah, 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 we still see each other. Isn't he leading it? Yeah, 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 he's leading it. Wow. Nice. Anyway, let me tell you about football. You know, and then we go off and so it's not big. It's not something, you know, magnificent. but It's just simple steps. And it's like, I wanted to share that to you to encourage you, all right? I'm not the sort of person that is going to sit on a bus ride and talk to a stranger because I'm an introvert. But some people will. Other people are going to be out in Shoram Market on a Saturday morning wanting to pray for people in public. And I say, wow, well done. That's amazing. Maybe I need to have a little bit more boldness and a bit more faith to come and join you. I just said that publicly, didn't I? Oh, man. Paul Comber's going to hold me to that now, isn't he? Amazing. Amazing. But it's great. I'm, and, but do you know what? In, in the meantime, I can pray for them and support them. And I'm praying for my mate and his wife. And do you know what? Was amazing for me. There was a moment in my relationship with this guy where he said to me, both of our youngest kids are leaving home in September to go to university. And I'm realizing my boy isn't gonna be around. And I'm nervous and I'm scared. And I've realized I'm getting old. And my wife is going to have to deal with me 24-7 because there's going to be no kids around and he was like I don't know what to do he was like "You, you and Joe you seem to have got it together and I was able to just share with him I said look for two years we've been talking and thinking about when our youngest leaves home and we've been investing in our marriage so that we don't wake up the day after he leaves and say who are you and we've been talking about what Post kids, empty nest looks like, and working on our marriage. He was like, "Man, I I could do that. I've got six months. I could do that." And I said, "Okay, well, what does that look like?" He said, "I'm going to book a weekend away with my wife." And I said, "And what are you going to do whilst you're away?" He said, "I'm going to ask her how our marriage is, and I'm going to ask her what do we need to do differently." ...when Ben leaves. I was like... I said, mate, it sounds great. Well done. And then I find out six months later... ...as, as the boys are leaving home... ...he said, you know what? I realised it was deeper than that. I actually went and got some counselling... ...and our marriage is great. And we are excited about the next chapter of our marriage. I was like, mate, that's brilliant. So excited for you. And I was praying for him in the background. And I believe he's on a journey... It might take years. I don't know. But I'm just going to be his friend. I'm just going to keep loving him. I'm going to keep praying for him. I'm just going to keep talking to him. And each time I talk to him, I just take one little step further with him. And one little step further with him. And I just go a little deeper. And I go a little deeper. And that is all God is asking us to do. That's my encouragement this morning. So what is your vision for the church and what is your vision for the Shoreham site? Is it your safe place, the place you feel comfortable to coming to on a Sunday? Or is it a place that you want to invite others to so they can experience your home? Do you want to open up your home to people? Both your physical home and your spiritual home. That's all it is. That's all it's about. The single most important thing about the church is it is meant to grow as people are saved and added. Church, let's be on the front foot together in this regard and ask God to take us on some adventures, shall we? Step out of our comfort zone and believe God for what might be possible. All right, let's look at number two. So the who, this is talking about the authority in the name of Jesus. So I've made it sound fairly simple, and it is simple in a way, and and something for all of us, but at the same time, we're in a spiritual battle. Let's not forget that. Verse 18 in the chapter that we just heard read, the verses we heard read, when push comes to shove, the religious leaders that were talked about in those scriptures, those who held sway over the people, lots of people, didn't actually really mind Peter and John standing up talking about the scriptures, because they also believed in the authority of scripture and they didn't actually really mind about them doing miraculous signs because they couldn't deny it and they'd seen Jesus do it and they knew it was real but what they objected to was it all being done in the name of Jesus in verse 18 that's where it crossed the line for them So what do we mean by that, the name? Jesus has the authority, the power, the supremacy. That's what the name of Jesus is. And even though we now are in different contexts and a different setting to them, the same is still true today. Generally, society doesn't mind us being Christians. It's that, oh, that's nice for you. If you're a Christian, what did you do on Sunday? I went to church. Oh, that's nice. What's your church like? Well, we, we, uh, you know, we meet and we do churchy things on a Sunday, but also we have food banks. And Oh, that's nice. You do good things for people. That's good. But they don't mind that. Or you could be in the workplace, and as long as you don't mention Jesus, you're a Christian. Oh, that's nice. That's good. That's, I, 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 yeah, I'm not into that myself, but that's okay. But whatever you do, don't pray for anyone, because that would be too far. That would be crossing the line. Or you can be a Christian as long as it fits into our views and it doesn't cross our boundaries about equality or sexuality. And the name of Jesus is very important here, very important. And it's the crux of the matter with the disciples and the society in which they live because every society has its authorities, whether it's religious or secular. And the message of Jesus is the saviour of the world but also the Lord and saviour of the world and Christians for us we're saved to someone who have bowed the knee to Jesus said he is my Lord and saviour so when we go into workplaces or friendship groups or with our family where there is a different Lord it can cause some conflict can cause some opposition I don't mind that for you so long as it doesn't impact me I don't want you to cross my boundary ...and tell me what I should do. You do your thing. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Because that's where our society is at, isn't it? It's the me society. I do what I want. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me who should be my Lord and Saviour. I'm my own Lord and Saviour. Thank you very much. It's not easy. But because we are called into a different life... ...in those moments... We're going to have to make some choices. Maybe in your workplace, do I obey my boss or do I obey Christ? That's awkward. That's a tricky one. Do I follow my friends? They're going off and doing this. Or do I follow Christ? There's choice moments for us in this journey. Do I disappoint my family in order to follow Christ? There are crux moments for us that we will face. I've been in situations at work where someone wanted to shortcut something, and I'm like, what do I do? Do I say, okay? Or do I stand up with integrity and say, no, I can't let that happen? And then what? Do I get into a bit of a ruck with my boss? Do you know what, I've been there, and I've done that, and it's really flipping uncomfortable. But you have to step out in faith saying either god is right and lord of my life and knows my situation or he isn't and therefore why am i even doing this at all and you take that step of faith you step out of the boat you walk onto some water and you go what's going to happen and it's uncomfortable but do you know what i have never ever ever experienced god not solving the situation. There was one particular situation I can think of where my boss said, just, can, you, can you just do this? And I said, no, I can't do that. You know the policy. You know the rules. We can't do that. And I will not be party to that. And if you do that, I will not support you and I won't stand with you. And if anyone comes asking, I will throw you under the bus. He's like, wow. You want to say that to your boss? It's like, Okay. Let's talk about that. You're a year-end and see whether you've still got a job next year. And we didn't do it. And I thought I was going to have a very uncomfortable relationship with my boss for a very long time. And he came back a couple of weeks later and he said, I said I want to thank you. I was really stressed at the time. I didn't know how to, how to solve the situation. I just felt that shortcut was the right way. But you were right. And you protected us and the rest of the company, so I want to thank you for that. It's like... <gasps> Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So we've got to trust God in it and step out in faith. Anyway, let's move on. So with love and respect, we must hold fast to the name of Jesus. But since our allegiance to the authority of Jesus is our distinctiveness from the world, it's also our source of power. Verse 19, Peter and John said, We can't obey you here because we're obeying God. But to obey God is to speak about what we have seen and heard of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful, wonderful model for for witnessing, isn't it? But here's a question. If your friend or colleague or co-worker said to you, oh, you're a Christian, tell me what you believe and why it's important to you, i.e. God answered your prayers, would you even know what to say? Let's come back to that witnessing moment. Let's bring it back to that. Literally, the instruction in scripture is, be ready to talk about Jesus, the reason for your hope. 1 Peter 3 says this, but even if you should suffer, For righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's what we're called to do. So what would you say? What would you say if someone says, go on then, tell me about God? Well, okay, all right. So in the beginning, um, um, God created the world. um, And then go to Genesis 3, sin entered. And then there's this guy called Abraham. No, 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 I haven't got time for that. Let me skip it. It's like, hang on a minute. Think it through. What did Peter and John say? They talked about what they had seen and heard. The scripture is important, but... They talked about what they had seen and heard. For example, you may be thinking to yourself, I wouldn't know what to say fast. But hands up if you were here last week. I know everyone hates the hands up thing. Come on, you can do it. Who was here last week? I'm not picking out people who weren't. Right, there we go. All right. If you were here last week, you would have heard a testimony about Mark bringing a word of God about a sinus infection. And Steve Redwood got up and said, it was me and I was prayed for, and I was healed. God did a miracle in this room just a week or two ago, and has done four years. Say again? And still good. There we go. Amen. Even if you said, do you know what, I went to church this week, and this guy told a story about the fact he had a heavy sinus infection, was prayed for, and it has gone. Do you have any idea about the power of that story to somebody who doesn't know God? You haven't got to think about lots of complicated scriptures. You've just got to talk about what you've seen and heard. What would your friends say if you told them that story? Think about it. Our job is not to make people Christians. And guess what? In fact, we can't. Our job is just to present Jesus with the power and confidence of the gospel. And if God wills it, the Holy Spirit will come to them and bring revelation. And that's what we're praying for. Amen. Takes the pressure off. Okay, finally, very quickly. Why? Because I am with you. So we've covered how the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness for Jesus. We've mentioned how the authority in the name of Jesus makes it a challenge, but that our personal testimony is powerful if we trust in God. And thirdly, I just want to land on Jesus' promise that he is with us. Let's just listen to these words from Luke. And uh, it says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself. Or oh, well, what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you should say. Oh, just takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. Jesus predicts exactly what will happen to the disciples. They will be brought before the rulers and authorities. They'll be accused and challenged. And what will happen? They will speak boldly because the Holy Spirit has come on them. Wow, it's a complete change. This is our confidence, not that we will be perfect witnesses, but the Holy Spirit in us will cause us to say the right thing at the right time. Brilliant. Mission is the work of God through the church. It's not the work of the church. It's not our idea, it's God's idea. Jesus is rescuing people every day through his Spirit-empowered people. So humbling. He doesn't actually need us. But he chooses to work through us. Wow. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? He doesn't need us, but he chooses to do it. He wants to do it. He wants to grow us and stretch us in that way. All we have to say is, okay, I'll do it. Why? Because he loves the world and he loves us. Jesus loved these religious leaders, so he sent Peter and John to witness to them. Jesus loved the Gentiles. So he sent other disciples to talk to them. And Jesus loves Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth, as it said in the scripture. And that's why he's called his church to be his witness. Jesus loves your friends, your colleagues, your family. And that is why he's filled you with the Holy Spirit to be his witness to them. That's it. That's what we're called to. There's a world out there that needs to find forgiveness in him, acceptance in him, and to know the love of the Father. We're his people. We're his witnesses. This is the great adventure. This is the mission that we are on. Let's wrap this up. Let me skip through a little bit. I just want to add one thing right from the end. You know, whenever I preach, I like to find that little one thing in the scripture and think, why is that there? What's that there for? I don't know whether you noticed it right at the very end. It says, the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. I thought, what a weird way to end a sentence. What was that there for? But the glorious thing is that this is so simple and yet so significant. Because the miracle that God performed through the disciples was a powerful display of God's healing power. Because the man had been lame from birth. He had lived with his condition for over 40 years. And then in that moment, by the power of the name of Jesus, he was healed. Do you know how significant that is? And to witness that, to be there, would be amazing. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the band to come up and join me. There's a few things I'd love to just challenge us with, as well as the challenge of being God's witnesses this morning. Okay? I think I also just want to just ask us a few things here. In the very early verses, I talked about baptism. If you haven't yet been baptised, my encouragement would be, come and get baptised. We'd love to share that story and that journey with you on how that uh, happens, what that looks like, what that means. We would love to talk to you about that. Maybe you're just sitting here thinking, do you know what? I've been going through difficult days. I need A fresh touch of God's Holy Spirit this morning. Well, he is here for us. Maybe you have a need of physical healing this morning. Do you know what? The same God is here this morning. And we should pray for healing in the name of Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, I don't think I really know the Holy Spirit. Maybe I haven't yet had a chance to be baptized. Or maybe I just need a refreshing or a refilling this morning. Well, do you know what? Let's ask for that, shall we? We're going to sing. We're going to expect God to move. And we're going to just ask God to come by the power of his Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus and believe what he could do. Amen? Amen. Let's sing, shall we?